Uh, this message is all in. We're taking a look at what it looks like to be all in for Christ. And I'm not actually sure that all of us know what that means. What does that look like? <clears throat> you see, if you, get, if you um, get your perspective of, uh, of what a Christian looks like from other people, instead of Jesus himself or the Bible, it might not always be right. Now, let me give you an example of that. Earlier this week, <clears throat> my, my daughter, my little she just turned three yesterday. Everybody say, aw. I know you were holding it in. Thank you. Just letting it out. My little three-year-old daughter, she turned three yesterday, but earlier this week she was two. So I was playing with my two-year-old daughter. Aw, right. I was playing with my two-year-old daughter, and I said, Elizabeth, what does a little cow say? And she said, moo. I said, yes, that's right. What does a little dog say? And she said, rough, rough. And I said, yes, that's right. Elizabeth, what does a little pig say? And she said, not by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> also acceptable would have been, wee, all the way home, oint, or... <clears throat> Because of the way that we have talked about little pigs in her world, that was her perspective of what a little pig said. And really, truth be told, I mean, that's not true. She was wrong. Pigs say, oint, or more accurately. <coughs> but she told me that little pigs say, not by the hair of my chinny, chin, chin. And it was because the, in her world, the perspective of what a little pig looked like was defined not by actual experience with a little pig, but by words that I used with her in telling stories. And so when I say to you, what does it look like to be all in for Jesus? Are you defining that by actual experience with Jesus and the word of God? Or are you defining that by experiences with other Christians who may or may not be right? From time to time, a machine has sensors, right? And you have to recalibrate those sensors so we know they're right. Our spiritual machine has some truth sensors. What we're going to do this week and next is we're going to recalibrate them according to the standard. What does it look like to be all in for Jesus? If you have your Bible, <clears throat> would you hold it up, wave it at me? Screens count, good. Yep, if you have your iPhone, you can get the, or Android or whatever device you have. Uh, sorry, I don't want to show favoritism to Apple, although they're the best. <laughs> If you have your device, you can get the YouVersion Bible app, tap on more, and then events, and tap on New Hope Christian Center will be right there. And all of the scriptures and my notes are in there ready for you to follow along, and you can even save those notes and email them to yourself so you can review them later. But we're going to turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, it's on page 1,229. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. In this passage, Jesus is writing to the church of Laodicea, and he's saying to the church, um, like, hey, church, like, work on this. Watch this out. Like, like, watch this in your life. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. If you're there, say, yep. yep. All right. <clears throat> to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm 
neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Another older translation says, you make me want to vomit. Verse 17, you say I am rich. I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in a fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. A paraphrase of what Jesus was saying to the church of Laodicea and what he's saying to some of us is, you're just not all in. You're a little bit in. And because you're only a little bit in, you make me want to throw up. I just want to spit that out of my mouth. The church of Laodicea would have understood that, that language easily because you see the church in Laodicea historically, they didn't have their own water supply. So their solution was to bring it in on an aqueduct from another town. <clears throat> and that resulted in very bitter, yucky water, you could say. And so when people drank the water in Laodicea, they would go, they wouldn't want it. They'd want to spit it out of their mouth. And so Jesus used that language to say, when you're not all in, you're just a little bit in, you make me want to throw up. If that language sounds strong to you, sorry, it wasn't mine. It was Jesus. It's how he feels about it. So I want, and Jesus wants, the church to be all in. We're going to look at four characteristics of a believer who's all in for Jesus knows. I'm going to give you two this week, two next week. So if you want the whole story, Come back. How's that? Here's the first one. Number one, a Christian who's all in knows that we are better together. We are better together. I like to have a little bit of participation. So when I say better, y'all need to say together. We are better. Together. Mm-hmm. It's true because we are better. Together. Right. The church of Laodicea's issue was that they had pride. They had a, had, they had a pride of I, a pride of self-sufficiency. Jesus told the church of Laodicea, you think you have everything, but you don't realize you don't. Laodicea thought, I can do it. I'm fine. I've got enough. I wonder if we make that same mistake. I think sometimes we forget how, how the church started, really, at the very beginning in, uh, in the Gospels. This is how Jesus put the church together. This is how everything got going. This is what the church is about. Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. The church started because Jesus, in person, said, come, follow me. If you dig into the Gospels and the book of Acts, you, you, you realize that Jesus taught those disciples to actually follow him. And to follow Jesus means you do what Jesus did. So Jesus said, come follow me. And those 12 disciples turned around and they said to other people, hey, you, come follow me, follow him. And a little while later, we can read the book of Acts. What did the church look like? When, when, the, when the disciples said, hey, you, come follow me, follow him. This is what it looked like. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know what that tells me? 
When we live in unity, when we realize that we are better, we receive the blessings of God. That was really wimpy. I got to say that again. When we realize that we are better, God's blessings will be upon us. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. When they were better together, God's blessings was there on the church. You know, uh, Saturday, I celebrated my daughter's birthday. So you all know what that means, what that meant for me on Friday night. That meant I put a bike together. That's what that means. And I, uh, I know stuff about bikes. Like, I have a good bike. I've worked on my own bike. I can change a tube. I can flip, flip around tires. I can adjust the spokes. I know about bikes. So I figure, little baby bike? Psh, no problem. I got this. I got this. It was a demon bike, I think. <laughs> pulled it out of a box. And it, it wasn't just, I expected you to pull a bike out of a box. I pulled a bunch of parts out of the box. I have to put the thing together. No problem. No problem. I know bikes. I can put a bike together. And I got going. I'm putting this together. And a couple parts were a little frustrating. But I figured it out. Why? Because I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a man. And I know, I know how to put a baby bike together. Ain't no baby bike going to take me down. So I was putting everything together. You know, you know when you buy some pieces of furniture or bikes in, in a box, they, they come with tools. <laughs> I, had, I went out in my garage and got my man tools. You know, I had a real wrench. I wasn't going to use these little teeny, teeny wrenches and Allen wrenches. I got, I got the real stuff. I'm cranking everything down. Everything's tight. Pedals are not coming off on that bike ever. And I got to the part where I had to put the wheel on. <clears throat> and I picked up the spike. And I was putting the wheel on the, the fork. And right as I was putting it down, lowering it down, tip over goes the bike. I said, okay, I got this. Picked it back up. It just, it just kept tipping over, and I kept getting frustrated. Why can't the stupid thing stay up and down so it goes on the wheel? I couldn't do it. I tried over and over. Like, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to get it on the wheels. I can do this. And it, it just wouldn't work. It just kept tipping over. I was getting so frustrated by this stupid baby bike. It's a baby bike. I'm a man. I can take care of a baby bike. And finally, after getting about this mad, I'm getting mad thinking about it. (laughs) I sucked up my pride and said the words that every man hates to say. Honey, (laughs) help. See, I realized I I needed more more, more of these. I just needed another hand. I just needed a hand. I was stuck couldn't do anything, and all I needed was someone to come over and put their hand on the, on the seat so the bike wouldn't tip anymore, because it kept tipping. It didn't take much. I mean, my wife could have done it with a finger just to keep the balance there. <laughs> but I couldn't do it, because I needed my hands somewhere else. I realized in that moment that we really were better. Yeah. It's true. Church, do we ever come up against a problem? in our spiritual life, and we just can't keep things standing up straight. You won't get out of it unless you realize that this church, the body of believers, is better. When you think about your own spiritual life, truly, I mean, you wouldn't say these things, but I wonder if truly, 
you think some of these things of your own spiritual life, I can do this. That's the pride that Laodicea had. The church of Laodicea. I can do this. I got this. I don't need help. I got this on my own. I'll stop. I just got mad. I, mean, I can stop that sinful attitude. I can stop this sinful addiction anytime I want. I can stop it. I'm strong enough. Who needs help? Babies ask for help. I don't, I mean, yeah, I trust Jesus for my salvation, but, you know, nothing else. I mean, I don't need a crutch to get through life. Or, or here's the popular one. I can be close to God on my own. <clears throat> no, you can't. You, you can't. You can't. We cannot live like Christianity is all about me and God or all about you and God. It's not. Over and over and over again in Scripture, Christianity is shown to be about us and God. This isn't just a New Testament thing. We saw in the book of Acts, so they all lived together and shared everything and everything was hunky-dory. This isn't just a New Testament idea. Even from the beginning, God called the people of God Israel. Israel was the people of God. They were not called the separate individuals of God. Israel was the people of God. And we are not the separate individuals of God. We are, along with uh, all on the world who call in the name of the Lord Jesus a Savior, we are the people of God. Because we are better. Mm -hmm. Guys, wake up. We are better. Thank you. God made us that way. He made us better together. And I don't just mean showing up in a room with other believers once and never saying anything to anyone and leaving. If that's all you're ready for, I'm so glad you're here. I really am. This, this is a great step, and I'm so glad you're here, if that's all you're ready for. But if you only come in and try to get out that door before anyone shakes your hand or says, hi, how are you? Can I pray for you? If you just come in and leave, you're not realizing the power that comes with the realization that the church is better together. together. You're not together if you just get out of here quick. I'm talking about actual relationships with other believers. There's different ways to do that. There's a lot of different ways to do that. But I'm talking about actually knowing other Christians and having community with them. And I'm really thankful that our church, because our church believes that we are better, we wanted to make a way for you to be better. So we've made it so easy. It's like it can't get much more easier than this. Here's a way. Friday, 6 p.m. Would you come to our church picnic? Together. Everybody better. Yeah, I love, love you, Matt. You're like ready to cheer me on. Would you come to our church picnic on Friday? All the food's got... I thought about having the church picnic tagline be, church picnic. You got to eat dinner anyway. Might as well do it with us. <laughs> We're going to provide everything there. If you have a lawn chair, that's the only thing we don't have plenty of. If you don't have a lawn chair, there's going to be some picnic tables there, but just not enough for everybody. We're going to have a lot of fun this Friday at 6 p.m. I hope you'd be a part of that. 
Thank you. We also have a lot of uh, small groups. <clears throat> and this, this Sunday is the last day to sign up uh, to be involved in one of our activity growth outreach or serve teams before they start for the fall. And I'm really happy with them. You know, someone the other day told me, it was just last night, they said, Pastor Ed, I had no idea all the different kinds of groups that you, that, that, that you had here in this church until I looked. <laughs> Would you expect? Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. So, so since we don't all look, apparently, I wanted to just uh, give us a dive into it real quick. Okay, so we have some, have some activity groups. If you like activities, like to do anything, you can do it better Mm -hmm. We have a cooking group. We have a have dinner together with other people group. We have a camera class. We have a sign language class. We have a few different fun hangout times for both men and women. We have a genealogy group. We have a couple groups with an outdoor activities uh, bend to them. And brand new, I just put it in yesterday. We have a group for people that want to get together and talk about horses. Maybe they'll ride horses. If, if you're into horses, that's for you. That's awesome. I'm really glad, uh, just side note, I'm really glad we don't have a cat group. <laughs> just, I'm cool with the horse group. I'll be cool with the dog group. I'm kidding. If you want to have a cat group, that's awesome too. <clears throat> just, you, know, I, I, you know, you're either a cat person or a dog person. Not many people are both. I think you all know which one I am, sorry. Sinners living in incest, I guess. Cats are. Okay, we have some growth groups too. These are groups to help you... Um, Point your heart towards God. <clears throat> we have a new members class. We have a recovery group. We have a mom's group. We have a men's group. We have a group about having a godly marriage. We have a college-age Bible study, a parenting Bible study, a teen Bible study, a during-your-lunch break, because you can't fit it in any other time Bible study, a worship group. And for those who say, I couldn't have any time for that, you know how much time I spend on my emails? Yeah, okay, so if you have email, then you have the internet. And if you have the internet, then you can do the online-only Bible study that will help you spend some more time in the Word each week. That's what it's all about. How, how to, in community, you know, you won't be looking at people in, with your face, but you can be in an online-only Bible study that will help you get into the Word a little bit more every day. And if you don't have time to get in the Word every day, there's something wrong with your schedule. We have some outreach groups. I'm really proud of our outreach groups. Within the past 12 months, I had someone come to me and say, why don't we do anything to outreach in our community? I was kind of flabbergasted. I said, I don't know. Why don't you? It's not like we didn't provide the opportunities. We have them. Right now in our, um, at mynewhope.in, there's 11 outreach groups specifically with Christians getting together because they're better together, helping reach those far from God in DeKalb County and beyond. There's 11 different ways. I'm just going to name a couple of them. We have a, a group that does college care packages. So for some of our college students that are far from God, right, literally far from us and maybe far from God, we want to make sure that they remember that their church loves them. And sometimes the best way to show God's love is a pack of pens or a little pack of, you know, laundry soap. A lot of kids learn how to do laundry when they go off to college. So let's make it easier on them. We have a mentoring people trying to get their life together group. And uh, we have a community connection group that's focused on people getting together to think about how to make a difference right here in Waterloo. And then we have our serve teams. You've seen our serve teams this morning. There's people in the back 
uh, in the back of the room right now who are in uh, our worship team, serve team. People, people on the stage are in a serve team for the worship team. We have ushers, that's the serve team. We have people that make coffee, that's the serve team. We have people that said hello to you and helped check your kids into church. Kids church today, that's a serve team. Serve teams are the programs that help make our, um, I'm sorry, serve teams are the teams that help make our programs possible. And you can help make this possible by joining a serve team. And that's a great first way to make a difference in the church. And guess what? You do it with somebody else. You're going to be rubbing shoulders. That's me rubbing shoulders. You're going to be rubbing shoulders with other believers in the church. Why? Because we believe this. We believe this truth that the kingdom of God is better. Guys, the kingdom of God. We believe that the kingdom of God is better. Thank you. Man, you'd think that you guys got to sleep in in the 1030 service. You'd think you'd be the most awake, but nope, you just, you just wish you'd still be in bed. It's okay. I still love you. All right, here's number two. So, so number one is we are better together. Number two, we are set free to be. If you want to be all in for Christ, you realize that we are set free to be. The church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 they were not set free. They had bondage, and their bondage for them was that they thought they had everything. They were obsessed with their own money, their own wealth. There's nothing wrong with money or wealth, but God doesn't want us obsessed with anything except him. The church of Laodicea was not set free. I think some of us would get obsessed with other things. It's sin, really. God wants us to be free, free to be a son or daughter in the kingdom of God. That's what God wants. Satan, on the other hand, wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan, his goal for the Christian, I believe, his goal for the Christian is to warp your thinking and tell you lies because he's very, very sneaky. And to manipulate your thinking so that you put your own life into a destructive pattern without ever realizing it was sinful or destructive. He's very, very sneaky like that. I'll unpack that in just a second. You know, sometimes I hear people talk about sinners. Can you believe what law that other state passed? Terrible. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. Can you believe what those, those people over there are doing? I can't believe their sin. I, I, I kind of just chuckle. What do you expect? If a fighter punches someone, you don't say, can you believe that fighter punched someone? What do you expect? You have, a fighter is going to fight. A walker is going to walk. A rider is going to ride. A sinner is going to sin. What do, sinners don't have a choice. They're obligated to follow their nature. A sinful nature. They can't, they can't help it. They don't stand a chance. But those of us who know Jesus, we stand a chance. We have a godly nature, and we stand a chance to fight our sinful nature. Let's unpack this. Romans chapter 8 talks about this idea. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let me talk just for a second. There is no condemnation from God upon your life. But there is conviction. Conviction is among the most ultimately pleasurable feelings that we can have as a Christian. 
How do you figure, Pastor Adam? Okay, let me explain it. If I grab a two by four, imagine me holding a two by four, and then I take my hand and I do this. What's going to happen? I'm going to get some splinters. How do I know that I get a splinter? Because I feel it. I go, ouch. Imagine if I couldn't feel. What would I do? If I couldn't feel anything, I would just keep right on going. More splinters. And if I couldn't feel it, what would happen? I'd get infected. If I never treat an infection, ultimately what happens? I lose my hand. If I don't, if they wouldn't have to take it, I'd, I'd die. Really, infection could kill you if it gets in you and you don't treat it. So I am so thankful that God gave us pain. I'm not thankful for the pain, but I'm thankful that when I rub my hand up against a two by four, I stop because it hurt. And maybe something actually got stuck in me. And I can get it out. I can get out the thing that will ultimately kill me. I can get rid of it. That is why I say conviction is among the most pleasurable things a Christian can experience. I'm not thankful for the pain. I'm thankful that it solves something. I'm so thankful for the conviction of my sin that God still has my life. If, If you've been a Christian very long, I think you'll begin to realize this. If you ignore God, if you ignore what God's saying to you, hey, don't do that. Hey, watch it, watch it. If you ignore that long enough, God will leave you alone until you're ready for him to come back into your life again. He will leave you alone. So when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, say, thank you, Lord, for not giving up on me. Thank you for not giving up on me. You're still reaching out for me. All right, let's keep going. So there is now no condemnation. Conviction, yep, but no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Let's jump down. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit say, that's me. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Sinners have an obligation. They can't help it. They're going to sin. But you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature you'll live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And it's his goal to put your life and your mind into a destructive pattern that you may not even realize is destructive or sinful. Because he's very sneaky. And according to this passage, Jesus did not die on a cross just so that you can be forgiven of your sins. Jesus died on the cross so that you can stop them. I'll say that again. Jesus didn't die on the cross just so you can be forgiven of your sins. He died on the cross so you have the power to stop doing them. 
I think the devil has told many believers a lie and we've believed it. The devil has had a lot of practice in this uh, lying thing. He's very, very good at it. He's very, very sneaky. And I think some of us in this room have believed this lie. It's easy to believe this lie because it comes from truth. There's three parts to this lie that, God, that, that Satan tells us. The first two are fully true. The third thing's a lie. It's a conclusion that's not true. Here's the first thing. Satan says to us, God loves you. That's my devil voice. <laughs> good or bad, whatever. I don't have very good accents. God loves you. Is that true? Yes. Of course that's true. God loves you. The devil knows what's true, and he's not scared to say some things that are true. God loves you. Sounds like something God would say, right? God loves you. Second thing he says, because of Jesus, through Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Is that true? Yeah, yeah that's true. Sounds like something God would say, but sometimes it's the voice of the devil. God loves you. Because of the power of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. The sin you're about to commit will be forgiven. So does it really matter? Does it really matter if no one's getting hurt? If the door's closed, if you clear your browser history, if you make sure no one was looking, if it was just in your head and your heart, but you didn't do it, does it even matter? God loves you. Through Jesus, you're forgiven. So it don't matter. I think some of us in this room have bought into that lie. It just doesn't matter that much because I'm going to be forgiven. But it's a lie. It's a lie. It's a very sneaky lie. It's an insidious lie because it seems like the truth. It sounds like the truth. We are going to be forgiven, right? But it matters. It matters. It matters because... My prayer for you is it hurts God's feelings. The New Testament says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It matters because an unwillingness to reject sin allows it to have control over your life more than you realize. It matters because even though that sin will be ultimately forgiven, you are going to review that with your creator upon judgment day. You think no one was looking? You think your mind is just your mind and no one knows what's in it? That's the thing about sin. I could be, I can have bitterness in my heart for years at a time and no one has to know about it. But it's still sin. I can have unforgiveness in my heart for years at a time and none of you would ever know. God loves me. Through Jesus, my sins are forgiven. So does it really matter? Yes, it matters. It matters because I'm going to review that with, with my creator on judgment day. It matters because God chooses not to respect the prayers of those who cherish their sin. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. What's it say about the prayer of an unrighteous man? What's that mean? It matters because when we sin, it's adultery with the world. Together, we have the position of the bride of Christ. And so when we sin, we're committing adultery with the world against our, our Father. 
It matters because according to Revelation chapter 3, it makes God want to throw up. It matters because if you're a Christian, you promised to make Jesus the Lord of your life, didn't you? You promised to love him, right? It doesn't matter. It matters. Let's stop. Pastor David, would you come up? Let's stop it. We have the power to live like God wants us to do. We have the power to put to death our sinful nature. We just have to keep doing it over and over. Sinners have no choice but to sin, but not so with you. You have no obligation to keep on sinning. You can, but the power of your life will be decimated because of it. Would you stand with me? I challenge you right now, every person in the room, to just, in your spirit, be willing to take a, just a little step towards God. Just lean in towards what he wants to do. Are you okay with whatever God says today? Can we just forget what I say? Just Can you be okay with what God says to you? I think there's some people in this room who may not have ever experienced what it means to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. Stand a chance at this. You have an obligation to continue to sin. You can't help it. We were all that way. We can't help it because of our sinful nature. God wants to give you a new nature. Today could be your day. It's very simple. The Bible is very clear that, that we only need to do three things. I'm going to lead you through that right now. If you want to make Jesus your Savior, you say, Yeah, yeah, you know what? I want a new nature. I want to be, I want to be made whole and I want to make Jesus in charge of my life. It's very simple. I'm going to lead you through it right now. First thing you have to do is admit that I'm a sinner. Everybody together, let's say, I'm a sinner. Lord, we're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. I was born into this world with an inclination to stray from you. And I'm guilty. Second thing the Bible says is that you have to believe. You have to believe in what Jesus did. Lord, I believe in what you did for my life. You died on the cross guilty of sin, you paid the price of sin, which was death. You died in my place. You absorbed the blow so I didn't have to. You died in my place. You were buried and you came back to life. And in doing so, I can put to death my sinful man and come to life with you. So I believe in what you did. That's you. If you believe what Jesus did, let's get on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe. Lord, we believe what you've done. The third thing we do is we confess with our mouth. And we just did it when we said, I believe. We confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe. And that's how simple it is to start your relationship with Jesus. And now each of us have to live that out, right? To live out the relationship with Jesus. Now, when I've talked about getting rid of sin in our lives, some of you in this room, you're reflecting on your own life and you know exactly what I'm talking about. God's already been talking to you. Some of you have sin so huge in your life, there's no, you don't have to stop and think what doesn't please God. You know what it is. There's some others of you who are thinking, that sure is a good word for somebody else. If you're that latter, that latter person, sure, that's a good word for somebody can I challenge you to just 
who's God and be okay with whatever he says. I want to create a moment for us to listen to the Lord. There's no condemnation, but there is conviction. So if you're a believer, would you hold your hands out like this? Like you're, if you're a believer who's ready to receive something from God, let's just put our body in a posture of receiving from God. Let's all close our eyes. I'm going to say this prayer, and then I'm going to ask God to speak. And then we're going to be quiet. You know, listen for words that might, words or phrases or sentences that pop into your, into your head at that moment. Because if you ask God to speak, you probably will. So here we go. Dear Jesus, if there's anything in my life that doesn't please you, anything in my life that's missing the mark, anything that's not your best plan for me, I pray you reveal it to us now. Speak to your church. Speak, Lord. Let's listen for the God. Listen for little thoughts that pop into your heart. day to sign up for one of our groups that start this fall before this is the last day to sign up before they start I should say and uh, there's somebody out there at the kiosk ready to help you or just pop over to mynewhope.in you can get started the third thing is that we have some prayer partners that will be here at the front ready to pray for you if you have any prayer go with God you're dismissed